The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show. On Relevant Radio. Sister Lucia of Fatima. She writes, the final battle between the Lord and the reign of Satan will be about marriage and the family. We can see it playing out in the media, in the entertainment, in our politics, in our churches, and in our homes. The entire church is founded on the domestic church. Parents are the first teachers of their children in the faith, and that is a bond that's founded on their I do, which ultimately is the I do of Christ himself. Don't be afraid. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. The reality of marriage as you and I know it as Roman Catholic men and women between a man and a woman and the sacrament, the sacrament, underline that word and put it in bold, the sacrament of matrimony. But I know you won't be surprised when you hear this latest poll that shows that there's a majority of Americans who just don't believe in just conventional marriage between a man and a woman. We have seen how the social norms have been bent to the point where they're almost broken right now. So how do we bend them back into place? Let's have that conversation right now with Father Paul Sellens, who is an emeritus professor of sociology at the Catholic University in Washington, D.C. He's a senior research associate at the Ruth Institute, and you can find them. Great website, ruthinstitute.org. Father Paul is a former Episcopal priest who was ordained as a Catholic priest in 2002. And for several years, he was working to apply sociological insights to technological, to moral, to religious issues. At the same time, studying people switching religious denominations here in the United States. This will be a fascinating conversation with uh, your very interesting background, Father Paul. Welcome to Relevant Radio. Thank you, John. And, of course, my my biggest qualification for this topic is that I'm married myself. And um, just yesterday we celebrated our 37th wedding anniversary. So I have some uh, intellectual and practical uh, knowledge of, of the benefits of marriage, for sure. Well, congratulations. Uh, so what, what, what's your bride's name so I can pray for them in the Adoration Chapel tomorrow? Patty. Patty. P-A-T-T-I, Patty. Okay, Patty. Yeah, Happy anniversary, Patty. Happy anniversary, Patty. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, does this surprise you? And we've had so many conversations this afternoon, just to bring you up to date on what we've been talking about here on the Drew Mariani Show. And of course, we've been talking about the potential overturn of Roe versus Wade. And, uh, you know, we right. know what that, uh, how, how we've gotten to where we are in this culture of death right now. But we've also talked about editing your genes and how that's, uh, you know, taking place in so many areas sure. of society today. And, uh, you know, all of these things were you and I become the creator instead of God. So does it surprise mm-hmm. you that this percentage of uh, United States conservatives, conservatives, I should add, who say it's very important yeah. that couples with children legally marry, and we're talking about a man and a woman, 2006, that number was 62%, and now it's 41%, and this is among conservatives. Does that surprise I, you? I, it is. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, we have seen this coming for a long time. And if you read, uh, I don't know, Philip Reef or some of the uh, prognosticators of culture, they, they were quite clear uh, that we were headed in, in this direction. Um, there are a couple of ways of explaining how uh, this process has happened. One of them, is, I know uh, one of Drew Mariani's um, favorite topics is about the rise of the religious nuns, that is, persons who grew up with no uh, particular connection to an organized religion today, and they started going through 
the roof about 20 years ago, uh, about the turn of the century, uh, surveys found that the uh, percentage of those with no religious affiliation had had tripled. Uh, and since then, it's gone up even further. I don't know the exact uh, numbers right now, but among young people in America today, it's well over a third of young persons will mm-hmm. tell you that they're not religious at all. They don't have any particular affiliation or connection to uh, an organized religion, except maybe their parents tried to, you know, raise them in one, but they've rejected it. Um, and so if you follow that downstream, what happens is that when people uh, give up on God, immortality, a life beyond this life, and start living just in the context of this world, one of the first things that happens is that they turn away from the transcendent institutions. And the most transcendent of all institutions is marriage. It's a pre-governmental institution established in man's innocence uh, in in the garden or just uh, 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 closely following uh, the Garden of Eden. Uh, It is uh, kind of the root uh, of all other social institutions, so it's not surprising. Uh, It is surprising that those who are... uh, uh, active in their faith um, would also experience uh, a very similar drop. And this drop in um, this uh, uh, idea of marriage was pretty much across the board. So even those who go to church weekly had a 20 to 25 point drop, uh, the same as uh, across all the other aspects of our culture. But Paul, you'll um, but, excuse me if I make one of these bold statements that you would normally hear on cable news without any factual background, except maybe anecdotal. But as you talk about these numbers, <laughs> as you talk about these numbers going down over the last 20 years, it's yeah. at the same time the Internet right. really became a part of our culture. And that became our new reality. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of things um, have contributed to that. And that's certainly one of them. New forms of relating that are... Uh, not normal natural relations. Did you know that when you you have a Facebook friend, it's not a real friend. Uh, It's just a name. Uh, And uh, there's a lot of sort of shallowness and inhumanity in the kind of relating that young people do. And it it, um, uh, in some ways displaces them from from more important uh, relations. But it also uh, correlates with the rise of the idea that uh, males and females are not distinct from one another, um, that it's uh, pure, purely a subjective matter, whether you're a man or a woman, and that sex roles are not important. Um, so one of the ways that this is explained in uh, sociological theory is uh, the advanced specialization of modernity. Uh, so one of the things that's happened in modernity is that all of the functions that used to be grouped together in society have been differentiated and parceled out from one another. And so uh, it used to be that the home was the workplace, and now that's separated out. Uh, And it it used to be that our um, gender roles were more distinct, and now they're separated out. Uh, But if you think about what's happened with marriage, um, all of the goods and functions of marriage, you might think, uh, have uh, come to operate independently from the institution itself. So what used to happen in marriage? Well, a a man and a woman would seek companionship, uh, sex relations. They'd have children, childbearing, childrearing, 
they would uh, get married for financial security. They'd buy a home together. They would plan a life together. Those are now things that young men and young women do independently from marriage. They can have a sex relation without necessarily even having companionship, or they can have a companionship relation without thinking about getting married. They can, they can as a survey pointed out, they can uh, bear children together uh, and, and without getting married. There's a very strongly declining stigma on that. They can be financially secure without having to worry about getting married. A lot of young uh, couples get together and they, they buy a home or make other major purchases uh, without getting married. So it's uh, parceled out all of these activities from the um, institution that used to bind them all together. And so they lose some of that coherence. Well, that's one way of, of, um, of, of thinking about what's happened. Uh, another way of thinking about it uh, with related, related to the decline of religion um, is that religion itself has become empty. I guess the proper word would be deresonated like marriage. It, it loses its um, essential meaning. And so a lot of young folk, even very religious uh, young Catholics who go to church a lot, if you start probing what their actual religious beliefs are, it's a kind of a shallow moralism, uh, a sense that, well, I want to be a good person, uh, I want to live a good life, and I want to do do good things, and I don't want to offend people, and I want to, um, you know, help people and uh, make the world a better place, but it doesn't go much beyond that. Uh, and when you start asking for sacrificial behavior, um, uh, with regard to their own personal decisions um, right. and their own sexual decisions, it becomes quite a different story. What we're talking, yeah, exactly. Experience. What we're trying to do is talk is not make sacrificial, you know, is not not to make that an oxymoron as well. Right. Uh, Father Paul Smullins is our guest today. Sure. Father Paul Sullins is our guest today here on the Drew Mariani Show, and we're talking about the changing face of marriage. Is marriage becoming irrelevant? You have seen this perhaps even in your own family. Twenty nine percent of United States adults yeah. say now it's very important for a couple to have a child together right. to be married. That only twenty nine percent, and that's down from thirty eight percent, and that cuts across all lines: Republicans, Democrats, young, middle aged, Catholic, non Catholic, as well. Father Paul Sullins is our guest, and we want to involve you in the conversation and how you've had this conversation with your kids. Eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. You come from a unique background because you're a convert to the Catholic faith. You're married 37 years, your lovely wife, Patty. So when you do marriage prep, you're coming from perhaps a slightly different perspective right. than most priests are. When the couple sitting yeah. across from you are saying, oh, we live together, when all of these issues that you and I have been talking about show up at the other side of the desk, what yeah. do you say to them? Yeah, well, let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you heard a priest give a homily from the pulpit. Can you hear the crickets? On premarital sex relations, I, or I, on uh, homosexuality, no. or no. pornography, no. Uh, or even abortion. No. Um, so we no. cannot exactly blame, I, I'm, we're not trying to blame anyone, but if we were, theoretically, we wouldn't want to blame the, the young people uh, because they haven't been taught. 
Right. Uh, our religious right. leaders have not been real clear about these things. Right. In fact, I have to say, Pope Francis takes a lot of flack, but one of the religious leaders that's been the most clear about most of these things has been Pope Francis. He's talked very specifically and pointedly uh, about the family. Is it because uh, Catholics don't want to hear this inconvenient truth? Uh, they want to feel good about yep. going to Mass? Yep, yep. And that's why we have a decline even among the, the more religious folk. Listen, before we move on, I want to mention one, one way that abortion contributes to this, uh, that there is really a link between the decline of marriage and abortion. Uh, and this is, goes back to a, a 1996 paper that's famous. It was uh, it, about <clears throat> the decline of what was called shotgun marriage. <clears throat> so it, 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 the thesis of the paper is that before abortion, if a man and a woman had sex and they weren't married and then she got pregnant, the unwritten rule throughout our culture is that that man, if he did the honorable thing, would offer to marry her. Right. And that those two would get married. And that was called a shotgun marriage. Well, that's kind of a dramatic uh, term. But it was really uh, an agreement uh, that the man would take care of that woman and and more importantly, would take care of the child who was coming. But mm -hmm. after the widespread availability of abortion, it undermined that idea. And and after abortion became widespread, instead of the man saying, oh, well, I, we're going to have a child, I better do the right thing, he would say, well, why don't you take care of it? Uh, and would support having an abortion. And that undercut marriage significantly, it specifically and most strongly undercut marriage by putting those women who would refuse to participate in abortion. So we're talking about the moral, religious women uh, who have principles uh, that would uh, keep them from taking the life of the child in the womb. What happens to that woman when she's in a culture where most women are going to have an abortion, and the men will pressure the women to have an abortion if it's a problem pregnancy rather than pressuring them to marriage. It puts them at a tremendous disadvantage in the mating market. Uh, and this article kind of uh, spins that out and shows how the rise of abortion undercut the ethic of marriage and has undercut the, the most um, uh, committed... Uh, moral women uh, to be able to to get good marriages. And so right now, I'll bet there are women shaking their nodding their heads, saying, "Boy, you are so right." You know, I I won't have sex before marriage, and mm -hmm. I lose guys, and I I won't um, participate in abortion. So I, you know. Where am I going to find a guy that's going to go along with that? So that's yeah, one of the conflicts. Yeah. That, that That's another part of the conversation here is we talk about these declining numbers where even among yeah. U.S. conservatives, they are saying that, well, it's really not important that a man or woman be actually married to have a child. And what we're doing is trying to reverse that mindset here and give you some solutions with Father Paul Sellens. And we're curious how you do this, how you have this conversation with your children. 888 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149 as we continue here on the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour is sponsored by Ave Maria Mutual Funds, where financial goals are aligned with pro-life values and fund decisions are based on investment fundamentals designed to preserve and grow wealth without violating moral beliefs. More information at AveMariaFunds.com. 
The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Your virtual parish. Strengthening your family this afternoon. John Harper for Drew Mariani here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app superimposed against some new information. And this is among United States conservatives who say it's very important. Is it very important for couples with children together to legally marry? That number in 2006 was 62%. In 2020, it was down to 49%. 29% of U.S. adults say now it's very important for a couple to have a child together to be married. And that's down as well. So how do we turn that around? Have a conversation. Stand up for life. Talk about the sacrament. And I keep underlining that word, as I'm sure you do, too. The sacrament of matrimony. Our conversation with Father Paul Sullins, who is a convert to the Catholic faith. He was an Episcopal priest who was ordained as a Catholic priest in 2002. He and his bride, Patty, married 37 years, and their anniversary is coming up. He is a professor emeritus of sociology at the Catholic University in Washington, D.C., and a senior research associate at the Ruth Institute. And, of course, you can find them at ruthinstitute.org. 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149 is our number to talk with Father Paul and also to find out how you have this conversation with your family. Kevin is joining us from California. Kevin, good afternoon. Welcome to the Drew Mariani Show. Oh, thank you. Um, what um, Father said about the, uh, the, I think you used the term de-resonating of um, Catholic teaching um, down to kind of a humanist moral value structure. In in my experience, I, I'm a I'm a father who has um, children that has have gone exclusively through uh, Catholic grade school and into high school. Some are still there. Is that the the Catholic teaching at Catholic schools is weak? Um, and by that I mean you see the humanism that I think it was Pope John Paul II. Um, I think he was the one who stated that the greatest danger to um, Catholicism was humanism, and and you see it at play. I took uh, one of my sons to a college um, admissions presentation at a Catholic high school that was for Catholic students by invite only, and um, their slogan was "Be a force for good." And I leaned over to my son and I said, "I, I think they have uh, one too many O's in that," and and not once in the presentation did, did I hear God. Lord, I hear Christ. And as Catholics, I mean, I was always taught, and I went to public school just three years of Catholic school, is is that um, Christ has to be the center of our lives. Right. And instead, what I hear from, from teachers at Catholic schools, graduation ceremony, I hear them quote Gandhi. Um, my son's theology, um, they, they stay in the Old Testament most of the time. And, and you know, I was looking at a, a just the other day. His handout had um, a quote from Nelson Mandela on the cover of it. Um, n- neither of which, Mandela nor Gandhi, are Catholic, but they are kind of humanist idols. And the reason is these kids are not being taught Catholic values in Catholic schools, in my opinion. Kevin, I want Father Paul to respond to you, but have you had these, this conversation with uh, the educators at your son's schools to let them know where you stand uh, as a Catholic man? Yes. And what's the reaction? Um, the, the reaction is... Um, I'm assuming with good. lay teachers. Uh, it's, it's, it's not very good. It's very defensive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's almost as if, um, you're talking to a non-Catholic. Right. Father Paul, what's your advice to Kevin? 
Well, you, you might be talking to a non-Catholic, because a, a lot of Catholic schools hire non-Catholic uh, teachers. Um, uh, it, I think that is a, an endemic problem in Catholic schools. Um, and another part of that problem is that a, a large portion, so often the majority of students that go to those schools also are not Catholic. People send their children to Catholic schools because they see moral values and a good education, but they, they don't necessarily want to, uh, uh, to to get the Catholic stuff. Um, I, I, wanna, I can share you my story of finding a school for my uh, daughter some years ago because uh, we have ha- half a dozen Catholic schools to uh, choose from in the D.C. area. We were looking for a high school for her, and I went to all of the parent days, and many of them were just like you've described. They were... They were generically uh, moral values and and nice kind of secular ideals, but nothing really deep, nothing really Catholic. And so what I would do would be to go talk to them, and I would pretend like uh, I wasn't really interested in the Catholic stuff. I would say, are you really going to cram this Catholic stuff down my daughter's throat? Uh, When she goes to religion class, is she going to have to hear all about this stuff from the church? And and one after one, all of them, I won't say their names, right, they're famous schools, but they would say, well, we, we're open to all people, and we try to accommodate students from all kinds. And they all did it, except for one school. And the, the guy said, and this school had not just a department of religion, it had a department of theology. And, wow. and it, the guy literally, he went over to his desk, and he got out a copy of Humanae Vitae. And he said, this is what we're going to teach your daughter. It, we're going to give her the straight scoop for the for what the Catholic Church teaches with no holds barred. She doesn't have to accept it. It's it's her personal, but she's going to walk out of here knowing what the Catholic Church teaches. And they, he showed me, they used uh, Scott Hahn's uh, curriculum, which oh, is sure. excellent uh, for, for Catholic theology. And, and he thought he was talking to a critic. He was, and I was going to, you know, go away and never have anything to do with his school before again. And uh, I sat there, and I, and I thought, uh, I didn't say this to him because I didn't want to break my cover, but I said, okay, this is the school for us. Uh, and it, it was great. Uh, the school did a marvelous job. And my daughter to this day, uh, she, you know, has wandered away from her faith to some extent, but she went on to Catholic University, uh, and she was able to, talk all about Aquinas' teachings and the development of the faith, and she understood, uh, you know, the arguments for the existence of God and the wow. reasons for the moral teachings. The Thanks be to day, God for that. that stuff back. Thanks be to God. So, so she, they, they put it in there. So you can find a place. It's not every single Catholic school, but you have, you have to be selective. And right. You have to, uh, yeah. Best advice I ever got in the confessional years ago when Father said, you know what, be discerning. And that sounds so yeah. simple. And why wouldn't you think of that yeah. on your own? But, you know, to hear it's go, oh, yeah. okay, that was a great Holy Spirit moment. With Father Paul Sullins, Tom's yeah, in Chino absolutely. Hills, California. Tom, welcome to the Drew Mariani Show. You're on with Father Paul. Hi, Father Paul. Uh, I have a question and a comment, but I'd like to question if you could answer this question first. It's a resource. Um, I've given parenting classes in the past. They've been more secular. I'm wanting to give... Uh, uh, parent education classes with a Catholic basis. And I'm just wondering if you happen to have a good resource that would be like for a, uh, a six to five to six week course for parents 
of kids, both young and, yes. and teens, because I might be getting both. Well, uh, yes. Hello? I, I would say the best resource I know would be to, to start would be to go to the website of the Ruth Institute, ruthinstitute.org. Uh, and there they they have resource pages uh, on a variety of topics related to marriage and family, and you can uh, look that up and um, just uh, immerse yourself in lots of options. A couple of pamphlets, the 10 good things you can do to make your marriage a better marriage, um, and other things that that uh, make it um, accessible. Uh, and then there are a lot of good Catholic apostolates uh, uh, that seem to have sprung up just in the last few years that are focused on helping uh, couples um, uh, prepare for marriage, uh, to have good marriages, to have positive marriages, um, and uh, and go into the Ruth Institute website. We'll put you in touch with with many of those. And that website is ruthinstitute.org. Father Paul, thanks for having a great conversation and giving us solutions as well, because that's very important. We can very easily go down the abyss of, oh, woe is us, and not look at the solutions, not look at, uh, you know, where the light is, so we can not only gravitate to that, but bring others to it as well. Father Paul Smolens, Professor Emeritus of Sociology at the Catholic University of Washington, and a convert to the Catholic faith. He was a former Episcopal priest who was ordained a Catholic priest in 2002. 37 years for he and his wife, Patty, so pray for them. Father Paul, thanks. Look forward to our next conversation. Thank you, John. God bless you, and God bless all your hearers. God bless you. It's half past the hour here on the Drew Mariani Show. John Harper in for Drew today on the eve of our Relevant Radio live coverage of the 49th annual March for Life. It begins tomorrow morning on Morning Air with John Morales, Matt Beardsley leading the Relevant Radio team live from Washington, D.C. And speaking of the team, you can get on that team right now at Relevant Radio, relevantradio.com slash fast. RelevantRadio.com slash fast. That's part of our hashtag fast for life campaign. How will you fast for life tomorrow? Sign up for that right now at RelevantRadio.com slash fast. I'm going to mention, speaking of fasting, I'm going to mention some foods. What do these foods have in common? Cream cheese. Pepperidge Farm crackers. Cream, half and half. Orange juice. Cat and dog food. That's food for the four-legged creatures. They are all part of the supply chain issue. If you have been in your supermarket and you haven't found those, it's because of the supply chain issue. And it's affecting not only the prices, it's inflation plus supply chain, but COVID-19 has just turned our lives absolutely upside down on so many levels, including places where we you know, never thought we would have our lives turned upside down like those little goldfish crackers. You can't get them anyplace. So, you know, why are we having all of these issues and where's the solution? It was one of the things that came up yesterday in President Biden's news conference when he was talking about that and reporters were saying, when's this going to turn around, especially with the supply chain? Joel Griffith is here right now to talk about this and give you some solutions. He's a research fellow for the Institute for Economic Freedom and Opportunity at the Heritage Foundation. He's got a law degree from Chapman University and has worked in research at the National Association of Counties and the American Legislature Exchange Council. Joel, welcome. What what is it have what is it that you have found not to be on the shelves? How has the supply supply chain issues affected your life? Hey, well, thanks for having me. Well, hey, these issues, I think they're facing all of us. Uh, even anecdotally, when I go down to CVS and eat a Gatorade after my run, well, it's it's, it's quite difficult to find that Gatorade half the time. Right. And of course, that's the minor inconvenience compared to what a lot of other people are experiencing. Um, if you've been in the market for a 
used car or even new car, uh, you probably noticed the sticker shock uh, mm-hmm. on used cars, for instance. So those cars are about 40% over the past year and a half. That's actually partly due to the supply chain issue. And I think we're discovering that um, our, our free markets have brought us so much prosperity. It's made our middle class the most prosperous middle class in the history of mankind. But once you get the government involved, even if it's well-intentioned, you can really mess up that fine-tooth machine. You think about what's gone on all over the world with the restrictions that were put in place. And I understand maybe those are well-intentioned restrictions, even if they were a bit absurd. Well, that actually wreaked havoc on the factories, on the production. I mean, everything from the meat that we consume, which requires very real people to be involved with that process in in the production centers, to the trucking industry with all the restrictions on the truckers, both environmental, but also just with their quality of life. A lot of them ended up retiring because it was so difficult just to get a hot bite to eat on the road, compounded with the factory shutdowns here, but overseas and the shipping port shutdowns. That has all contributed. It's been like a domino effect throughout the entire supply chain. That's why part of the reason why, number one, part to find a lot of these items, and number two, there's a big part of the reason why prices are so much higher now than they were just a year or so ago. Last night, NBC News did a story, and they went to Luzerne County, Pennsylvania, which is really Biden territory. And not to make this political, because it's not, because one of the families they interviewed blames President Biden for the supply chain issues. And another family that they talked to say it's just a part of, you know, COVID and it's it just happened. It's all cumulative. But the first family, uh, he's a builder and lumber has doubled in price and he can't get it. Tubs, sinks, vanities, supply chain issues, can't get it. And so the construction of new houses and also home remodeling has kind of come to a halt. And if he can do anything, his prices have, in in essence, doubled. The other was a farmer. And he was saying, the feed for my sheep has doubled in price. It's gone from $3.5 a pound to almost $7 a pound. So that obviously gets passed down to us. I mean, I just looked at a package of ground meat, of hamburger meat, in the uh, in the in the supermarket a couple of days ago, and it was a pound, and it was seven dollars. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw, you know, you get those digital ads from uh, supermarkets, and somebody has I I can't even remember if I've ever even had a ribeye steak, which is a good cut of meat, thirty eight ninety nine a pound. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, who's going to buy this? Obviously, somebody did, but you know, this just didn't happen really overnight. This is something that's been brewing and also a part of a strengthening economy, right? Well, yes. And well, and I don't want to put the blame just on President Biden, but without a doubt, the policies that he's been propagating have contributed to this. I mean, look at the constantly changing CDC guidelines. And even though states are not required to abide by those guidelines, and you have a number of states like Utah, Florida, Georgia, Texas, that are booming right now precisely because they're not adhering to all of the senseless guidelines yep. coming down. A lot of states, a lot of communities do abide by those guidelines. And it's a big part of the reason why our ports weren't operating at full capacity. It's a big part of the reason why our factories didn't have people on the floors. And it's a big part of the reason the Biden administration, CDC, is a big part of the reason why a lot of schools in this country shut down for months on end, even though Florida and Arizona might have been open, or Florida and Texas, I should say. It's a big part of the reason why we couldn't get workers into these factories because the schools were closed. So he doesn't bear all responsibility. He doesn't control the global economy. Right. He had a lot of world leaders elsewhere, too, that were involved with putting in place draconian restrictions that are impacting all of us. So 
He doesn't bear all the responsibility. He certainly bears quite a bit of responsibility for what has happened here over the past year. As do some governors, and uh, not to pile on Governor Newsom, but, uh, you know, there were so many restrictions that were COVID-related and some for public safety, and we understand that in the state of California, that truckers to get to the ports to unload those cargo ships that were stacked up in the queue off Long Beach in Southern California, it was regulations on top of regulations that just absolutely ground our economy to to a halt. Oh, yes, and uh, added on top of those trucker restrictions, you had California has been gradually banning older diesel trucks off of their roads. Well, instead of putting that on pause in the middle of uh, uh, this pandemic, they actually kept the legislation in place, and it actually criminalized even more diesel trucks from operating in the middle of COVID. So you have this strange scenario where you have truckers going to Long Beach, they load up their trucks, they drive the five or six hours to the Arizona border, they unload off their trucks, put them on the trucks in Arizona that are still legal, and then they have to turn around and go right back to Long Beach. It's inefficient. It drains worker hours. And, in fact, truckers have a limit on the number of illegal hours they can drive. So you've had a lot of them that were driving with no cargo going back to Long Beach, but yet that was counting towards their hours. So California bears a lot of responsibility to this as well. And I know you mentioned a second ago the, the economy that's heating up. And, yes, the economy has we give the green light for people to go back to work. It turns out people do want to enter society. Um, but something else happened, and that was our government borrowed and printed and spent trillions of dollars, injected it into the economy at the very same time that we are still working through the issues caused by the government shutdown. So you have supply that was being suppressed with all the closures, and at the same time you had trillions of dollars of new money being injected into the veins of our economic system, and that surge demand. That's a perfect recipe for rising prices. And obviously in the supply chain shortage, common sense, although that probably predates uh, the predicament that we've been in for the last uh, couple of years. Our guest here is Joel Griffith on the Drew Mariani Show, research fellow for the Institute for Economic Freedom and Opportunity of the the Heritage Foundation. We're talking about supply chain issues that have affected you and me, and we'd like to know how it's affected your life. 888-914-9149-888-914-9149. You know, and it's all those little inconveniences Uh, You know, it's one thing, okay, I have to wait six weeks to get an iPhone. But when I go down to the supermarket and there's no toilet paper there, or if I don't, I can't get a, I can't get a carton of half and half. That's, that's how it affects me. And, you know, that's, that's bigger than the major issues of, you know, getting electronics in from overseas. Yeah. And it's funny, in 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 an amusing sort of way. They, they put the blame, some of these politicians, they put the blame on consumers. They're blaming consumers for hoarding or for buying too much. And that's not where the blame belongs here. This is a problem that was caused by government action. Governments chose to shut up the economy. Governments chose to act irrationally. And I know we're talking about the economic impact of that, but this has been a, a very real spiritual and, and mental problem as well. So many people have suffered from isolation needlessly at the behest of their political leaders. Um, And I I simply put, our government officials don't want to accept responsibility for the problems they cause. I think, thankfully, in this country, we can do a comparison contrast and look at a New York City versus a Miami, and you see a very real difference, both in the economy right now Mm -hmm. and also just the overall quality of life, because some places 
experienced freedom the past year, while other places continue to suffer from these restrictions, all in the name of countering a pandemic. And tell you what, as the data comes out, it shows a lot of those restrictions not just are unnecessary, but they're actually harmful. And, and we're talking about the effect on the middle class and because we have seen the service industry, especially in New York City and other places where there have been the lockdowns, Joel, in the last year, put restaurants and other service businesses out of business because of all of the regulations, because of COVID. We understand that some of them were there for the common good and for safety reasons, but some became draconian. Oh, oh yeah. And I mean, if you look at still what's going on in places like New York where you have restrictions in place that are banning, in some communities, 30% plus of the community can't even go to the restaurant because they're demanding proof of, uh, of medical papers and vaccination right. papers. So this is having an impact on the economy. I think it's having an impact on people's social well-being as well. And if you look over the past year, when you've had prices that have risen 7 8% on average, in some areas even higher, incomes have only risen, hourly wages, 4 or 5%. Well, there's a difference there, and that gap is a decline in what people are actually taking home each week. That's a very real uh, hit to the quality of life. The typical family right now is earning 3 to 4% less than they were a year ago in real terms. And if you're making, let's say, $80,000 between a husband and a wife, uh, well, that's a big hit. That's about $2,400 less you have this year than you did last year. In fact, I think a lot of people are finding that the hit to their bottom lines exceeds what they received in the form of stimulus checks. Uh, but politicians don't want us to notice that. And the frustration is the frustration because you simply are powerless to do anything unless you vote different people into office who will reverse some of these policies. Yeah, and, and sadly, some of this damage is going to be lasting because even if inflation rates come down from 7 or 8%, which is the highest in almost 40 years, even if right. it comes back down to, say, 2%, well, your, your income doesn't automatically catch up with that. If your wages only went up 3% this year when prices rose 8 it doesn't do you much good if prices only increase by 2% next year if your wages never catch up. And my fear is that a lot of these families, because of the very bad decisions our federal government made the past year and a half, a lot of families are going to see an extended period of time where they are earning less than they would have been earning otherwise. Joel Griffith is with us from the Heritage Foundation, and we're talking about the supply chain issues that are affecting uh, your life, my life as well. And we're sharing your stories here on the Drew Mariani Show at 888-914-9149, 914 Supply chain issues that have a real impact on our lives. How has the supply chain issue affected your life, your kids, how you now live your life? What kind of sacrifices have you had to make? 888-914-914. Our number as we continue here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. Get caught up on that conversation you missed by going to the Relevant Radio archives. Just select The Drew Mariani Show. John Harper for Drew today talking about something that's affecting you and me. Perhaps you're not going to have one of your favorite foods for dinner tonight because of supply chain issues. 
They started to ramp up as COVID-19 ramped up and as a lot of our elected officials, both on the state, local level, federal level, have put different restrictions in place that have caused ships to be backed up over the West Coast, have grounded a lot of trucks, and the trucks are the backbone of just getting things across these 50 states. We're talking about that today on the Drew Mariani Show with Joel Griffith, who is a research fellow for the Institute for Economic Freedom and Opportunity at the Heritage Foundation. And with you at 888-914-9149-888-914-9149. The real-life witnesses to supply chain issues. How are they affecting your family? We begin with Ruth in Austin, Texas, listening to Relevant Radio 970. Hi, Ruth. You're on with Joel, and welcome to the Drew Mariani Show. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for taking my call. Um... I may not have listened close enough to you all, but um, I'm just saying, we ha- I haven't ha- experienced the shortages, maybe because Texas has a coast, and so we get shipping, you know, from Houston area. Yep. And also, this thing about the truck drivers, truck drivers quit because they were so badly paid and too many hours and stuff, and... That's what the people in fast food were doing. Is they said, heck, you haven't been good to us, no insurance, low pay. And now the companies here are having to up their pay. Exactly. And, you know, we're seeing that in other industries as well. Uh, you know, again, just going to the supermarket yesterday in places where you have never seen, Joel, people advertising for jobs. Uh, there was something up on the bulletin board by the exit for, again, school bus drivers and how many schools have been affected yeah. because you just can't get school bus drivers. And they're offering, uh, yeah, at least around here, and I'm in Metro New York, $25 an hour with benefits, which, you know, it's tough work. You have to be trained. You have to be good. you got to get a special license. They'll help you get all of that stuff. And they were adding a $2,500 signing bonus. Well, that money's got to be passed on to somewhere, some, somebody somewhere along the line, right? No, you're so right. And uh, I appreciate that call. Uh, I, I think that it underscores an important point that some places in the country are faring far worse or far better than others. And a lot of that has to do with local policies and local restrictions. And I know we should all be thankful that we do have alternative shipping uh, to Texas, and but also to uh, to uh, Florida and South Carolina with other mm-hmm. ports. And I know Florida has been very outspoken in saying if California cannot get um, things together, we are going to welcome those ships here to Florida where we do not have any of these restrictions in place. Um, but it takes time to change these shipping channels. And they are changing, um, but it takes a, it's a longer trip getting to Florida from China and from Southeast Asia than right. it is getting to California. So it takes time to get there. Um, you know, when it comes to these uh, the, the increases in pay, um, when, when pay increases stem from our economy acting normally, when people are becoming more productive and you can demand more for your labor, that's a positive for everybody, for the businesses, for consumers, and for the workers. But the problem is what we have right now, we have a shortage that's caused by, number one, schools that keep closing, child care centers that keep closing in these uh, mainly more liberal states. And then you also have a government that has incentivized people to not work. You've seen an increase in, in the payouts for welfare and social on, benefits. I'm, I'm calling in already. And, and, and so you, in effect, you get the you get private sector. They end up competing with Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam pays people not to work, and the private sector pays people to work. And so that's where you get the squeeze right now. If you look at um, productivity, for instance, productivity is actually plunging at the steepest level in decades. It dropped by 5% annualized last quarter, uh, in quarter three. What that means 
is that when you see these wage increases at a time when productivity is declining, that should be a red signal flashing. Right. Wages should increase as we're more productive. Something is wrong right now, and I think we all know what that is. You've got the government involved in suppressing our economy and at the same time paying people not to work. It's really, really creating havoc. Ruth, thanks for listening in Austin, Texas. Let's stay in Texas here as we talk about supply chain issues with Joel Griffith from the Heritage Foundation. Star is in Dickinson, Texas. Hi, Star. Welcome to the Drew Mariani Show. Hi, thank you for taking my call. I have a question. It's very simple. Uh, My own observations here in Texas, there are thousands of jobs where people are hiring and no one is applying for those jobs because our unemployment is so high. People are staying home, getting unemployment, also receiving the government stimulus uh, checks. And it seems as if most people I've talked to have definitely said it's a lot better staying home, making money than going to work because they don't pay enough anymore. And now we've got a very selfish society. Do you think that it's the government's job and the government is to blame for this type of situation we're in? It's absolutely crazy. You know, what, what, you, um, what you just mentioned anecdotally shows up in, in the data as well. During, the, um, during all the restrictions and the heat of the pandemic, there were approximately 70% of those that lost their jobs actually found that they could earn more off the job than on the job. That was definitely a big disincentive to people and uh, to actually work. And a lot of people uh, saved all those dollars that were coming in from the government, including the stimulus checks, the child care credits, and were able to live an extended period of time off of those benefits with, um, without going to work. That's definitely been part of it. Then you add in the shutdowns of the schools and child care centers. That's also um, a part of that as well. And another piece that isn't often discussed but is showing up in the data, think about how the stock market boomed during the pandemic because we had our Federal Reserve printing money. They were juicing up the stock market, in effect. A lot of people found that their retirement accounts doubled in size and decided to retire early. Well, they're not coming back to work. Um, So that has um, possibly permanently reduced the size of our workforce. In fact, it's showing up now. If you look at the, there's a thing called the labor force participation rate. It simply is the percentage of people in their working years that are either working or looking for work. And right now, that percentage is about what it was all the way back in the 1970s when women were first entering the workforce en masse. And that shows a lot of people over the last year and a half. It's not just that they can't find a job. There's plenty of job openings. It's that they have completely left the workforce. They're not even looking for a job at this point. And, Joel, what do you make of all of those who are just simply quitting their jobs in the midst of all of this? Well, you know, that's a, that's a big problem. A lot of these individuals are parents that still do not have consistency with their school. So look at Flint, Michigan. The schools are indefinitely now, from what I read today, they're going virtual again. Um, yeah. And they have shutdowns, of course, in Chicago. That's a, that's a big problem. But also, you know, despite the fact that we see all these signs and wages are up, salaries are up, well, it's not keeping up with the cost of living increase. Um, yeah, people are seeing 5%, 6% increases in their pay. It's not keeping up with the rise of the gas pump. It's not keeping up with the rise of the grocery store. It's not keeping up with the rise in rent. It's really discouraging um, a lot of people from going back to work. I thought I was getting a bargain at three thirty-five a gallon because it came down a dime <laughs> since last week, and it's like, well, I better, I better just top off the tank to take advantage of this. Look at all the extra money in my pocket. Wrong, since we're up a dollar twenty from last year. Mary in Evanston, Illinois, you're on with Joel Griffith as we talk about supply chain issues here on the Drew Mariani Show. Welcome. 
Yes, Joe, it's not really on topic, but people uh, should be made aware of the fact in my situation. My adult son, who's very childlike, uh, is a recovering alcoholic, and all his services were taken away from him. Jane Addams Center, Instituto, where he was learning carpentry, everything's closed. And um, going on the 10-step program on the computer is intimidating for him. Mm. Um, he's just a newbie, you know, with the recovery issue. And I, I'm just distraught, not distraught, but I have faith. But he's alone at the YMCA, and it's just like being in prison there, you know. Yeah, there are some anomalies in this, and, and Mary's case is one, Joel, and uh, I have a friend uh, who is who, who filed for extended unemployment um, in his state and uh, got it without any problem, was collecting unemployment, and uh, then in the second week of extended unemployment got a communication from the Department of Labor saying, because the economy is so good here in this state, theoretically, Everyone should be working, and we are cutting off all extended benefits, regardless of how much you have in the account. There's a head-scratcher for you. <laughs> well, it kind of makes you wonder why these benefits were extended like this in the first place. I mean, just going by the data, is very clear evidence that when the unemployment benefits are curtailed, people very quickly tend to go back to work, and that's why you saw such a difference from state to state. Right and how rapidly their, their job market improving. Utah actually has more people working now than it did before. Um, you know, what your caller mentioned, wow, I, I was, I'm just really sad to hear that, and I know it's happening across the country. I think it's, it is very important to realize that these shutdowns and restrictions, it's not just an economic cost. You have so many people, whether it's school kids that need to have interaction with their teachers and students, or situations like your, your caller's son who's trying to recover and get his life back on track. You know, my, my dad works with... Um, um, people that have substance abuse problems in, in Ohio. He does this um, as a volunteer, but does a lot of hours. And it's part of the reason why he, he recognized, along with his minister, he recognized the importance of people interacting with people face-to-face, especially when they're trying to recover from, from that type of abuse and they're trying to get their life on track. You need to have mentors. You need to have friends face-to-face, not virtually, not on Zoom. And I've been really happy that so many religious centers have decided that regardless of what they're their county commissioners saying that they're going to go ahead and meet face-to-face because mental and spiritual health are so important. When I hear stories like that, um, I, I'm just really saddened, um, but it also makes uh, me, me thankful that I know there are so many other community and religious leaders that have continued to meet in person throughout all of this, recognizing that in order to save lives and save lives spiritually, sometimes you do have to be there physically with people. Right. Beautifully said. Joel, thanks for leading us in a great conversation. Joel Griffith, Research Fellow for the Institute for Economic Freedom and Opportunity at the Heritage Foundation, talking about supply chain issues. Can I come over and borrow some cream cheese? Man, you may be hungry. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's there in the supply chain issues. Joel, thanks so much. Remember, tomorrow morning on Morning Air, starting at 6 Central, our live coverage of the 49th Annual March for Life and live updates through the day with Matt Beardsley and our team, live from Washington, D.C., only on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.